Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Welcome back to Angel on Top, a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of Angel one by one, spoiler free, and in tandem with our arch nemesis, Buffering the Vampire Slayer. I'm your co-host, LaToya Ferguson, a.k.a. the Cordelia Chase of the Buffering Verse, snoring and all, a.k.a. Bones, a.k.a. one half of the Gun Squad, Bang Bang, (laughs) a.k.a. Theodore K. Mullins, a.k.a. Gilly, a.k.a. lover of long-winded bits, a.k.a. Daddy Boreanaz. And I'm your co-host, Morgan Ludich, a.k.a. the Winifred Burkle of the Buffering Verse, a.k.a. also Bones, a.k.a. the other half of the Gun Squad, Bang Bang, a.k.a. um, Frank Scavopoulos, a.k.a. Daddy Dean Morgan. And this week, we're watching Angel Season 3, Episode 13, Waiting in the Wings. Waiting in the Wings was written and directed by Joss Whedon. It aired on the WB on February 4th, 2002. This is the one where Team Angel gets tickets to the ballet and things get horny. Previously on Angel. No previously's actually, because uh, they're not trying to give up the Gru reveal to the point that he's not even credited with the guest stars at the top. Oh, really? They hit him? Yeah, it just credits uh, our, our buddies Lorne and the Count uh, in those guest star credits. Oh, gosh. The Count. I'll, I have thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> you got notes on the Count? I have notes on the Count. One of the all-time faces. The second you see the guy, he's like, ah! And you're like, okay, I get it. <laughs> like, I get your deal. Like, vibe, the vi- a vibe has never been sold quicker and more just expediently. We open on an image of a sexy demon in one of Wesley's books. Uh, I have in my notes my fuck watch. Uh, this is, I think it's Sorialis the Ravager. Uh, and they've got six boobs, uh, but apparently we've got some time before we have to deal with them, and Cordelia recommends that we file Sorialis the Ravager under pending. Yeah, Wesley's not even noticing uh, these uh, six boobs because he's too busy, you know, thinking about Fred. Which, yes, that is the only way you should say her name, but um, he's, like, freaking out over, like, when the timing will be right to ask When the iron's hot. Oh, that, that, as if that, that metaphor gets so aggressively tortured. So it's like, in case you were wondering if Joss Whedon wrote this episode, like, by the end, we have just, 
we've like plucked that uh, dry <laughs> in terms oh. of iron is hot jokes. But um, more importantly, Cordelia tries to fish uh, for compliments and refers to herself as the ditziest bitch in Sunnydale. Like, I mean, okay. I, I would say that's harmony, actually. Like, let's be honest. Yeah, Cordelia was less of a ditz and more of, like, a bitch. Um, yeah, she was just full-on bitch. She was, like, the bitchiest bitch in Sunnydale. This is all a compliment, just so you guys know. Oh, yes. Like, step on me, please. Um, I wrote BRB changing my Twitter bio because I loved it. But she's noticing that now that she's become intimidating mm-hmm. the men aren't flock- flocking to her so yeah i was pretty sure that was my problem all throughout my youth as well so yeah, like i can that's, relate to <laughs> that was totally your problem morgan that was totally my problem i was really intimidated <laughs> i i'm still intimidating not just in my youth just in my life always i'm intimidated by you but in a good way <laughs> But all of this, every single thing that we've said, although this is all good, very charming place setting for where everyone is in terms of, like, how their romantic life is going. Uh, for something that Cordy let slip about the only action she's been getting lately, and it has to do with a loofah and a certain ghost. What? <laughs> I wrote it all caps. Are she and Ghost Dennis friends with benefits? This is a, a, a family podcast, Morgan. <laughs> um, if you won't discuss this with me, you know who I'm going to have to call upon. Who? One, Kristen Russo. What? <laughs> Kristen's Corner. Kristen's Corner. It's all right with and what the I'm so glad to be here. Uh, two two things, okay? Mm-hmm. One, Ghost Dennis and Cordelia are having sex. Two, <laughs> with a loofah? Because I what? just, I'm not sure if a loofah is the tool that you want to use in that situation. Uh, no, not to be crass or <laughs> to show my naivete either way, <laughs> but... <laughs> What does one do with a loofah? We have seen. Do you not Phantom know what Dennis a loofah is? Use the loofah on Cordelia, you pervert. That's the oh, that's like the it's thing a with the very brush. rough. It's yes, it's it's its purpose is exfoliation. It is a See, rough. I, mm-hmm. They're just exfoliating you, you pervs. They're not. <laughs> I don't understand how it could be uh, sexually pleasurable. And that is not meant to yuck any yum. It's just that these are sensitive parts, people. We don't know how he's hitting those parts. <laughs> Abs- that is actually what I was going to bring up. Kristen is trying to turn this show into the, what's happening on Buffy in season six. That's what's happening. Yeah, like, look, so you're saying he didn't loofah her behind a dumpster. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. They loofer at her place of business and they loofer the house down together. Absolutely. All right. Good luck with the rest of this episode. I think that's the horniest it gets. Yeah. Never. Nothing else horny happens in the episode. So we should be good. Okay, great. Yeah. Good luck. Bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. 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 Kristen's Corner. Kristen's Corner. 
But Angel wants to know who's doing what with a loofah. <laughs> you know uh, what? Wesley is a gentleman and a scholar. Wes Wes covers up so brilliantly. Like Wes is a true a, a true friend, and I love him. And I love even more that Angel says, "Ask me why I'm smiling." <laughs> after after he says after she tells him, "So you went with the dark colors today?" Which you know, usually if this were the first two seasons, that would always be what he's wearing. But you know, Angel's wearing the colors this season. You know, mm-hmm. he's yeah. stepping out with that too. He is. He's he has diversified his wardrobe a little more. But today he's he's in darker colors. Uh, when he is asked why he is smiling, he says, "Because we are stepping out." <laughs> Old Man Angel strikes again. Old Man Angel is in full force here. I was so happy to see him. He is so dorky, but again, uh, hot. (laughs) The hottest old man. The hottest old man around. Absolutely. Um, Speaking of hot, our next scene is outside the Hyperion. It's a Gun and Fred scene. Uh, It is. Is and this is the first scene where things were cut from the shooting script, and I have to note this mm. because so this scene is you know them talking about uh, how Fred can eat mm-hmm. so much, and he calls her a remarkable woman. But the scene in the shooting script starts with him in the middle of a story telling uh, Fred about a story between him and his sister, and like a fun thing they had, and he's like, oh. "I like talking about my sister when it's with you." Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. That's like, because like we already know he thinks she's cute and that she's like cool and stuff. But knowing that he can feel vulnerable with her is huge. That would have been really nice to see. Like I get the timing, but yeah. Joss even notes like this scene might possibly be too long too. Like in the script, Mm -hmm. which you got to say that is, that's, that's good to note. Ooh, okay, I will be checking out that scene in the shooting script. But yeah, he teases her about her appetite and breakfast food, and she, like, play hits him, which, like, Fred, stealing my moves. Um, and, and he's like, whatever, you know you're gorgeous. And her face, <laughs> I have written all caps, eek, in my notes. Um, she's got it bad, too. He, he just gives her, a, like, it's a matter of fact, you know you're gorgeous. And he just, like, walks on, and she, she's making those eyes, as we would say. And it's really sweet because you just kind of get the feeling that, like, I don't think Fred's been treated like that before. There is something really nice about, like, someone making a move on you and being, like, confident that you're awesome and polite about it and, like, not aggressive, but just kind of, like, letting you know what's what. I think that Gunn is walking a really specific line like with his like, treatment of Fred probably because they're co-workers and I think he's being like I'm over here liking you if you would like to come join the space I'm standing in where I'm over here liking you you are welcome to come in here and maybe like me back I appreciate the amount of like respectfulness but also like clear interest he is showing her um which is a, sm- a small note for one one Mr. Wyndham Price. Ah. <laughs> uh, Wesley. Buddy. Wesley, Wesley, Wesley. Gunn's excited also because, <laughs> and here's the thing. This is a great script in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Whedonisms, you know, they are abounding. But you, you got a, this very white man writing these black, man li- <laughs> black man's lines. Matahari is the tightest band in LA. You guys are going to be tripping out. Which, 
I am sorry, Jay, that you had to say this line. It does get better just because of the rule of threes when they keep saying it. Yes. But on its own, it's bad. I, yes, I was wondering what you would have to say about this. <laughs> um, also, why would you ever trust Angel to get you concert tickets? I would not trust Angel to do a dang, a, a normal errand of any kind for me. Like, I know he'd find some way to ruin it by brooding. Then why didn't you just go with Fred to get the tickets? You guys were just at breakfast. Like, you could go get tickets together. That's a thing you could also do. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand why it would be more convenient for Angel to do that. But he says that instead of getting the tickets to Matahari, like Unwanted, he got tickets to the ballet, um, and he pitches it to the gang. You got ballet on my Matahari tickets. This is the Belenikoff World Ballet Corps. He's been saying that like it has meaning. This is one of the premier companies in the world, and they're doing Giselle. It's their signature piece. This is all like some horrible dream. Angel reveals that when he first saw this ballet, he cried. And I was evil. <laughs> and that was in 1890. Mm-hmm. So put that in your Shanty yeah. prophecies. But Gunn says the trust is gone. He trusted Angel to do one thing, and he got ballet tickets. Uh, Cordy is hyped because they get to dress up. Mm-hmm. Old man Angel says tight and tripping out. He, he, he repeats Gunn's words back to him. So that, See, it's funnier now. It is very funny when he says it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, all of LA is buzzing about Giselle. And the Count says, it'll be the performance of a lifetime. I guarantee it. Um, this is where I write, spooky guy with Jewel promises performance of a lifetime. Because, geez, again, it, within seconds of appearing, he's just like spooky and menacing and, you know... You and I, we're we're Los Angeles, you know, locals, and we can we can assure you that when the ballet comes to town, this city simply buzzes. Ah, <laughs> uh, the first thing we're gonna do when the town like really opens up, we're going to the ballet. We are stepping out. We are stepping out, and yeah, we'll at least see one. We'll also ballet. be tripping out. We'll be tripping out. We'll be stepping out, and we're gonna see a tight ballet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, this amazing uh, villain. Clearly, the villain, yeah. Count Kurskov, played by playwright and character actor Mark Herlick, mm-hmm. um, who played um, both himself and God in the TV show Preacher, which makes me want to watch the TV show Preacher. <laughs> Ooh, hell yeah. Uh, he was on My, my Beloved Imposters, uh, Getting On. Uh, he is the third uh, Jedediah Lawrence in Boy Meets World. like Because, you know, Topanga's parents were always recast. Right. Yes, he was the one paired with Marcia Cross. Oh, okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. I think it is very important to note that in this, uh, that we see this this whole scene from, like, this POV of someone hidden, someone wearing white gloves and laughing menacingly. This is where I write we- in all caps, Phantom of the Opera? Question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> Gerard Butler just rounding up the daddy cast. God, I wish Gerard Butler was in this. That would actually make me cry laughing. <laughs> we couldn't do like a coherent episode. No. On Hulu, it says Sinister Chuckling, and it says that throughout the episode. I, I need to make clear, it is both Sinister Chuckling and Sinister Sobbing. It's both. I have to say, because at, at first I did not, did not know what to register. I was like, is that crying or laughing? And it was very upsetting. Did you watch this with headphones? No, no, no. I just watched it on my TV with uh, the subtitles. So because I was watching this uh, while my boyfriend worked, I 
watch this all with headphones. And I have to say, all of the la- creepy laughing when you have it really just inserted deeply into your ears via earbuds is so upsetting. I <laughs> I felt like ill at ease and it was light outside. But when I was hearing like, <laughs> like inside my ear, I just, just, uh, I didn't like it. I kept like, like moving around and i felt uh very so, scared so so it did its job is what you're saying absolutely we then cut to titles and we come back from titles we're shopping women they do be shopping they do uh certainly cordy and fred are in this scene but aren't they you know poor <laughs> good point um so the plan is to pull a lizzie mcguire and to wear the dress and hide the tags and then return it Hope you don't spill a slushy on it and then have to wear your backup pair of jeans and then find out that those were actually a very cool pair of jeans all along. Have you been like rewatching Lizzie McGuire on Disney Plus? No, I just remember every second of it. <laughs> um, I am so obsessed with this scene. It's so cute because it's really nice. Again, like having another woman around is so great because now Cordy is like not just like there. there is no like. And Cordy's the girl. And Cordy's, like, the one lady. Like, now there are two. And it's nice. Yeah. It also, like, I think it makes her friendship with Wesley uh, feel better when it's just, like... And there's also another girl she can talk to and not just, like, all she cares about is Wesley's thing. She cares about Fred, too. Um, But, uh, unfortunately, Hmm. she... I know... Corey doesn't think she knows, but she should do some thinking here because she does not know. There is a deep and fundamental miscommunication between the two of them. It's clear that Fred thinks they're talking about her in Gun. Cordy thinks they're talking about her in Wes. And basically, like, it's like... And Cordy, you should know it's about her in Gun. Like, you should be paying attention to this. Like, is, It's very obvious. Can they're, she not they're not see, hiding it. Can she not see the vibes? But also, more importantly... Fred loves the ballet because she used to see the Nutcracker every week and her first sex dream was about the Mouse King. I was hoping we could skip past that, but okay. <laughs> Sorry, I can never skip past that. That is so spot on. Like, in a piece- I'm like, that sounds very Morgan to me. I'm like, I don't know if she wants to address this. I just think it's like a perfect piece of character writing and the way she delivers it with such absolute glee, I think is like a perfect bit of like Amy Ackerisms. Yeah, Cordy says he feels, which Fred says he feels feelings. I'm like, Whedon. Ooh. Oh, yes. And they're like, and if you're lucky, there'll actually be some feeling like later. And I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. We used it all the ways. But Fred wants to set up Angel and Cordy. Yeah, she wants a dress that'll make Angel go crazy, to which Cordelia says, Angel's already crazy. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Cordy, she's talking about Auga. Yes, and yet yeah, Cordy is very skeptical. She's like, Absolutely not. Like, that's not how he sees me. And I'm like, Okay, so first she can't see that Gun, like, and and Fred have something going on. Second, Cordy's she can't see that Cordy's powers are actually rusty. Since becoming half demon and like her vision's getting better, like her her original human powers, they're rusty. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, it's it's like uh like she, those senses have weakened. Yeah, uh, she needs to get her groove back. <laughs> Ooh, I would watch an episode called How Cordy Got a Groove Back. Yes, now <laughs> our next scene's an Angel and Lauren scene. Um. Angel got fancy. He's in a tux. He's in a tux that Connor puked on and Lauren is cleaning the puke off of, but it's looking pretty good. I think about this scene a lot, uh, not just because, you know, Lauren is bringing up chirumption, a a term that Angel knows because of Fred and we all know, uh, but because um, 
of Lauren calling him pastries and then and being like, stop saying that and stop calling me pastries. And he's so dopey when he says it. It's, yeah, he's because the thing that like angels become so like like these people have become so important to him and he can say stop calling me pastries. But like that's about as much as he's going to stop them from trying to emotionally connect with him. Like he has given <laughs> up. He has given in. He is a part of a family now and part of a group of people that love him and they're going to show that love to him even if it makes him uncomfortable and that makes me so happy you said family and because i my brain is poisoned i'm like should i sing see you again but i won't do it (laughs) but know that we're thinking about it um so lord lord basically tells angel you know it's okay to like cordelia she's fucking amazing right he's like if i thought she was into green like i'd be over there and i was like lorne is bye for cordelia chase (laughs) yes uh bye for cordelia our next jingle um but i love it so much an angel actually does not say like doesn't like brush this off he says what do i even have to offer her (laughs) which i write in my notes um your feelings (laughs) How are we supposed to deal? He, Lauren calls Cordy a champion old school. And I'm just like, two champions should smooch to the point where I, in doing this rewatch with you, I'm just like, I'm not even annoyed that I'm saying champion all the time. I just want him to smooch. I would like them to smooch. And we are very lucky because smooch later in this episode. But it's... What? No, nothing, nothing, nothing. You don't have to know about it. Um, But... <laughs> it's so lovely and they have such like i think they've done such a good job building to this where while all all doing it while both of them like remain pretty oblivious to their connection to each other which i think is incredible like they keep it, it's as if they're going to suddenly be married and like have rings on their fingers and like be like wait what happened do we like each <laughs> other like it's it keeps it's as if they keep dating each other and being a family and being so in domestic, love, yeah. yeah, without ever actually like saying the words or doing the like specific actions, but like or you know making with the smoochies, so to speak. But like, it, you guys are like you're a partnership. You're raising a child together. You spend all your time together. You think the most of each other. Like. A lot of these things have a pretty heavy correlation with being a couple. And as Lauren says, Angel is a thing for ex-cheerleaders. True. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about enemies to lovers, but like, I like a, a friends to lovers thing. I, I don't know if you could tell, but I really like a friends to lovers thing. Hmm, well, I'm just seeing this tracks with what I know about you. Actually, it does. That's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> it fucking friends, uh, friends to lovers absolutely rips. This is no exception like it it's because all of this comes from such like a mutual kind of respect and affection and i think that's that's what you want to see for the angel we know now like you want to see someone you want to see him accept that he is liked and loved for who he is before romance is even a part of it because i think that's the piece of things that's really difficult for him like is just understanding that he's cared about and that he's like that he even could be dear to someone like that. So I feel like 
all of the stuff they've already done is like a lot more of the battle than either of them could possibly think so yeah because it's it's clear angel doesn't like he just doesn't think he's worthy of cordelia he thinks he's dirt compared to her that's what that's what we keep coming back to basically and he doesn't understand what what she would see in him at all yeah which is uh which i mean is because he can't look in a mirror so (laughs) (laughs) if he could see that put him yeah if he could see that cute little face (laughs) and then Cordelia stand in the doorway and I literally say out loud, Jesus. I, um, I write Cordy in a hot dress in all caps. I have Angel. I'm drawing the eye emoji. And of course you are. There's all of this stuff about how tonight we don't have to be ourselves. <laughs> huh. Is a theme hmm. starting to approach about, you know, play acting and the kind of things that we can allow ourselves when certain things are pretend or theatrical and how sometimes real feelings can spill over into expressions of artistic joy? Perhaps. I just heard expression. <laughs> it is called the expression baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's like, we're young sophisticates. And I'm like, Young sophisticates kiss. Yeah, I've heard of I've heard they do that. So then out in the lobby, we have Fred uh wait looking at an empty doorway. Oh, oh I, do you want I'm sorry, I just saw this bit that was cut out, which is hilarious to me. And I'm it probably was cut out because the network's like, No, you can't have that. Which is where Lauren says that uh Connor's asleep. He so much as peeps, I'll chloroform him. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, then out in the lobby, we have Fred looking at a an empty space where it seems like a hunk should be. Um, Gun, we hear him, and he is like, "Promise you won't laugh." And she's like, "Stop being such a little girl." And he comes out in a tux. To which Josh wrote, Gun steps out of the office in his tux. He is James fucking Bond, born to wear a tux, and. And he did it. And he did that. That was that, that was taken uh, quite literally because, fuck, J.R. Richards looks so good. And Fred, oh, my gosh, does Amy Acker play seeing Charles Gunn in a tux pretty dang perfectly um, that she is just like stunned, overwhelmed, in awe. And then upon reflection, giggly. <laughs> And she says, you're so pretty, which he is. Mm -hmm. Now, LaToya, this is kind of seeming like a pretty good time to honor one Charles Gunn. How could we even begin to do that? As as podcasters in the buffering verse, what is our love language? Slicing our palms and pledging to him? (laughs) Close. Do we have any other options? We could do a long bit. Huh. A jingle! I would love a gun jingle! Hit it, bitch! Woo! Check that tux, check that bod. Sign me up for the gun squad. Did someone say golden god? I'm all in on the gun squad. Game ball playing, him ball king. Sign me up for the gun squad Even when he's curmudgeon in I'm all in on the gun squad Bang, bang It all Charles 
gonna shoot a shot. Bang, bang. Cracking skulls up and down the block. Bang, bang. Gotta smile to make the panties drop. Bang, bang. Gun squad. Gun squad. Thank you so much, Jenny. Do cut jingle. This is the best. <laughs> so sensual. Yes. I, and I'm smiling like a big old goof at these two, honestly. I am just absolutely losing my mind. They're so cute. And then Wes shows up and and he tries to, you know, be charming and put some moves on. And <laughs> My exact note is, enter Wes with a shawl for her. Boy, she's not into you. <laughs> It's, I have in all caps, Wes cringe. I love Wes, but he is embarrassing me. I do love Wes. I don't, I don't want it to sound like, like we don't like Wes, but like, again, he's not in the game. He's not in the game. And here's the thing. Like the, the embarrassment that I have for Wes is secondhand. Like it's, it is the idea that like, I am so sympathetic to where Wes is. Like I know we all know what it's like to like try to make the move and it for it to be the wrong time. Like I am thinking about how Wes Story of my life. Yeah, I I feel this. I am thinking about You have a boyfriend. Shut yeah, up. I didn't always. Um I'm thinking about like how Wes is going to think about this later uh before he goes to bed for several nights to come and just feel his skin crawl with humiliation and I just it hurts my stomach it makes me so sad like it's just you should have made the move earlier buddy you know maybe then it would have been a conversation but you got you got to look at who she's looking at you know you got to be aware you can't be blinded by things like your own fantasy of how you wish things were cough cough Mm -hmm. theme cough cough yeah, he is looking at Fred a lot, but he's not looking at who Fred is looking at because she's often looking at Gunn. That's the thing. It's like it you, which I think is why his piece of this episode is also really important. Like as much as everything else is like fun and hot and horny and I can't wait to talk about all of it. I think Wes's piece of it is so important because it's about the other side of fantasy of like wish fulfillment is when you don't get the thing that you wish for despite you know he he might feel very similarly to the way gun feels at the top of this night but he's not going to feel how gun feels at the end of this night at the end of this night and yes sometimes the way the cookie crumbles and it's sad some of it is just that he has not had the opportunity because you know Fred's being split up and she's going on things with Gunn. That's like, that's happening instead of Wesley being the one to go on things with Fred. Or like, but then it's gotten past that to where Gunn and Fred are having breakfast together. Outside of work, they are just having breakfast together. And he knows that Gunn's interested too. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know what's not computing there or if he's just kind of, you know, just being hopeful, but I love him and I wish him well. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is just another an- another bad day for Wes. <laughs> I'm sure he won't have any more bad days this season. No, season's never going to hurt us. <laughs> it's never going to hurt Wes again. 
but Angel and Cordy uh, walk in arm in arm, and mom and dad walk in arm in arm. It is very mom and dad showing up arm in arm, and they're so cute. And Cordy tells Wes that the iron is hot, and I write, "Oh no!" in my notes because, "Oh no!" But she did have a vision that she'll have no visions tonight, so there's that. Yeah. And Wes has a shawl for her, too, so he's not just, like, simping for Fred here. He has shawls for the ladies. Yes, he's on shawl duty. <laughs> there's a girl out there who's going to love uh, that, and her shoulders will never be chilly. So they arrive. It's pretty. They're at the Orpheum Theater downtown, by the way, and because the this, this show had fucking money, <laughs> in case you couldn't tell still yeah the production value was apparent everything looked really fucking nice um they get in the audience uh we see television summer glow i mean she was not television summer glow at this time like this is her debut which i will say this is a really good debut for her first of all she's a great dancer in case you couldn't didn't couldn't tell yeah i know very good i'm like (laughs) There's a reason why, like, uh, eventually there's that episode of uh, Terminator Sarah Chronicles where she's also doing ballet. It's like, let's remind you, she's really good at ballet. She's great. Like, I, I love Summer Glau. Like, I um, I know you are not, like, a Firefly person, but I very much was. I, I'm... I like some of I'm just not a Firefly person. Yeah, you know? I love. I like. I like everyone in the cast of Firefly. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's 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 pretty good. Besides, you know, some bigot. Yep. <laughs> Uh, but with the exception of one bigot, it's a pretty great cast, um, pretty talented cast at least, and it she's wonderful. And her like dance training is like her, her, she's a very physical performer, and like I think you see that a lot with people with dance training being one good at action and two good at being like physical as actors. Like they talk a lot about it a lot with Chris Evans as Captain America, with like his dance training being really instrumental to like like he's the only marvel actor who like does his own running and things like that like for most other people it's doubles but chris evans got a cinematic run and hmm. summer glass got like, a cinematic uh, everything <laughs> yeah olivia liang our beloved Alyssa chang who's now the lead on the cw's kung fu like she comes from a dance background so that translated to that. that's perfect and yeah i i think like summer is so good and she's so mournful like she's she's giving us such sad prima ballerina energy and i i do love it like you do kind of much like with the with the count one look at her and you are like oh maybe all's not well (laughs) maybe i will freeze time though (laughs) just to see this again and again and again it's um because obviously we have noted some joss whedon stuff and we're going to throughout this episode but like it's understandable to be like, yes, this one, I will cast her in something in the future because of how good she is here. Like, I think this is like a star making performance, which is not always the case with dancers. Like a lot of dancers, you know, will like be in a movie or TV show mm-hmm. and like they won't be great at the acting part. I think her acting is very good, like, as we'll see later in the episode, like really with dialogue. I think her acting's very good. Like um, Center Stage, a movie I, I love. I think Amanda Shule's not good at acting in the movie, but I she's grown to become a very good actress, I believe. Mm-hmm. Like in shows like Twelve Monkeys and Suits, like she's great there. But like I, I would not say she was a great actress in the movie Center Stage. You know, fair enough. And I like like to the point where I kind of forgot this was how 
like Joss came into contact with Summer and I was just like surprised she did not have more to do as an actor. But it's it's very much a like mm. you cast a ballerina to do a thing and they have a couple of lines and she crushes hers. She's her scene with with Angel is so good. Our spooky count is watching the ballet. Cordy falls asleep and snores quite loudly. <laughs> Angel has to nudge her, but gun? Well, no, before we get to gun, oh, please. he nudges her, so she leans on his shoulder, and he's like, okay. I'll allow it. He is content now, which is also noted in the script. <laughs> and then gun is, um, is perking up. He's leaning forward. He's gritting. He's watching with rapt attention. But then suddenly Angel sees something that gives him pause. But he doesn't say something because that would be rude. Yes, he doesn't. But when the act finishes, Gun yells, bravo, <laughs> which iconic. <laughs> which I honestly have no idea if Jay said anything about Joss or, but it seems like Joss really loved writing for Gun, at least from this episode's like, script. That's great. He, he just, he, he really, it seems like he was enjoying the gun stuff a lot. Good. Well, that is what that character deserves. So that does make me happy to hear in spite of other things that I'm less happy about. <laughs> Cognitive dissonance, but not really, but kind yeah. of. That's what we have to do. That's our job. No, that's so fair. And it's the thing where like there's, we all contain multitudes and uh, a lot of things are going on. So. I have layers, bitch. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I think I'm I'm glad to hear that. And I hope that his experience doing the show was as good as it could be, given a lot of the things that we've heard, which were probably not so great. Um, but uh, yeah, Gunn is great in this episode, and I'm excited to read the script. Our next scene, uh, we're going out for intermission. We're in the hall. And um, <laughs> Gunn does say, these guys are tight and I am tripping out. <laughs> Rule of threes, baby. It's perfect now. <laughs> no notes. Uh, and Angel's like, yeah, so weird thing. Nothing has changed. These are the same people I saw in 1890. And Cordy's just like, ah, wow, that they would dare do something magic on our night out. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> are there snacks? Hmm, it's a puzzler. I'll go get snacks. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, 
all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. So, like, with this all in mind, Angel and Cordy decide that they're going to go snoop. Cordy! Obviously, we know she came from money. Mm -hmm. But as we also know, money does not indicate class. (laughs) Elon Musk. (laughs) As SNL host Elon Musk. Elon Musk. <laughs> Our next scene, uh, Angel and Cordy are descending an elegant staircase, which I wish. Um, and there's a guard uh, guarding the hall. And they're like, should we distract him? And Cordy is like, great. Like, should I make with the distracting? Should I? And she's like doing all this like old timey movie dialogue. And Angel says, I don't know if I'm that guy and the most beautiful woman in the world comes up to me. I'm thinking... All caps in my notes. The most beautiful woman I've ever seen. <laughs> no, not the stupid part, Angel. She's like, you said what? Because he's like, oh, don't worry. I don't think you're stupid because he's called her stupid <laughs> before. And then like, is like, zoop and I'm off. Whereas Cordy is still in like, I was called beautiful land. Um, Oh my gosh. It's so cute. And then also the, like their the ultimate, the ultimate fulfillment of their plan is also adorable. The cut. Say, do you like brush? Do I ever? <laughs> she gives him $20, though. So, of course, it's like, it's nothing. Yeah. So, Angel decks this guy. This is LA. Come on. So, then we're stuck in this spooky forever hallway. Um, they, uh, you know, they look down and it goes on forever. And then they look behind them at the door and there is just more hallway. And they are stuck here, and which meaning they cannot go back and, like, warn the others or tell them what's going on. Whoops. Boop. We see more ballet, more ballet, and then Cordy and Angel make their way over to the prima ballerina's dressing room. Ooh. <laughs> and of course, um, some of some of this mm-hmm. scene was in the promo for the episode, mm. you know. They were just um, bullying <laughs> people like me who want to see these two get it on. <laughs> Good God. Yeah. Um, Angel notes that the room is unchanged. And I'm like, you been here before, mister? (laughs) Um, But uh, our prima ballerina has like a very fancy vanity. Um, 
But suddenly Angel and Cordy, as they are, you know, snooping around for clues, start to feel very warm and start to feel very certain that something happened here. Mm-hmm. And Cordy, just out of the blues, uh, orders Angel to undress her. I, of course, write down, I only have eyes for you vibes. And they're like, huh, this isn't us, is it? But the scene carries on nonetheless. Yeah, Angel is fighting. He's like, this isn't us. Then Cordy snaps out of it like, yeah. But then he snaps into it. (laughs) And she snaps back in as well. Yes, and they are these like, you know, she's the ballerina. He is, uh, you know, her lover. Uh, They shouldn't, but also they must. Um, And dang. My note is, again, all, all caps, hot, hot, hot. I'm by for Boreana's and for Carpenter and for this dressing room. So I guess play the buy for Boreana's jingle right now, please. He's got a booty stare and hot spiky hair. If you're straight or gay, your tingly feelings don't care. You're just being honest about this sexy demonic in your buy for Boreana's. Buy for Boreana's. delivers a line of dialogue that I wrote down in all caps, which is, I'm only alive when you're inside of me. I'm only alive (laughs) when you're inside of me. I almost fell off of my couch. How is this on network television? I cannot believe that was allowed. It... This show's lead-in was seventh heaven. <laughs> and we, we, got a lot of, we got a lot of viewers, but there was a drop-off because they were like, not this satanic show. This is sinful stuff, folks. <laughs> Imagine you're watching your seventh heaven and you're seeing promos for this. Which I'm sure, you know, it was like seventh heaven, commercial break, Charisma Carpenter saying, I'm only alive when you're inside of me. More Seventh Heaven. Because <laughs> I looked up what episode of Seventh Heaven it was. Please. It was like, oh no, Simon has been peer pressured. He is drinking at a party to be cool. Commercial. <laughs> I'm, only, I'm alive only alive when you're inside of me. Satanic network, religious household, like the WB is being banned from your household. Oh no, uh, it was the Lil Nas of fucking 2002. I'm so sorry if you weren't allowed to watch Angel because of <laughs> Seventh Heaven based purity. Your your friend who made you watch Seventh Heaven is so sharp. Name redacted. Oh. Hope you're okay. <laughs> I write in my notes, make out, and then I'm fucking dying. They're so hot. <laughs> it's a lot. They're they're going at it. I like it. Have to agree. Um, we then cut to some, we cross cut, some dancing, some kissing, some dancing, some kissing. Courtney had been fiddling with a cross necklace the ballerina had, so it is in her hand. I, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I should include Joss's direction, like his, his action lines for the kissing. I think it's respectful. Yeah, I, I don't know how things were on set, mm. but as a script, I think it's respectful. Mm. So to end the act, it says, and kiss they do, big time. To open the act, the next act, well, they're still kissing. 
It's pretty heated, I must say. <laughs> I must say. <laughs> Sorry, but to go in the first person in your action is very funny. <laughs> okay, okay, good good bit, good bit. Um I so so yeah, as we we're saying, uh, Cordy was fiddling with this cross necklace so she has it in her hand she like puts it up to to you know run her fingers through his hair and uh burns him with the cross so they kind of like snap out of it for a second and so they decide to try to leave but the leaving is not easy this is some the choreography for this leaving (laughs) some funny girl i am woman you are man like like type of shit like he keeps like spinning her and then pulling her against his body and i write in my notes he keeps spinning her and pressing himself against her and i'm feral about it (laughs) this was a lot i'm sorry if you're listening to this and you are not into this scene apologies but i don't get you um because this is couldn't be me i couldn't pop i don't care i love it i don't care i write in my notes then obviously ghost shit a factor but like exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point they do make it out though open the damn door it's kind of hard i kind of noticed (laughs) (laughs) they are horny good night pm show on the wb but still network television yeah they they make it out into the hall and they remain quite horny, and they're like, good thing it, like, wears off the second you leave, right? <laughs> Guys. <laughs> so they're just out in the hall, like, chest heaving, like they've both just run a marathon. And they're, like, just making eyes at each other, but also very deliberately not making eyes at each other. And it is, um... And what, what does Angel do? Um, I don't know. What does he do, Latoya? <laughs> He removes his jacket because, you know, it wears off right away. And he puts it in front of himself. (laughs) He does very strategically drape his jacket in front of his hip area. (laughs) (laughs) Which I suppose is respectful. Good God. We take a break from this because I need it. And uh, we cut to Lorne and Connor at the Hyperion. Uh, Lorne is singing, but he also uh, mentions in his extemporaneous song that he resents that he was not invited to the ballet. Which I agree. Right? Let Lorne go. It's dark in there. He could have worn a hat, like, <laughs> turtleneck. Um, but then there's there's someone... Uh, we, we're seeing an unknown POV creeping through the Hyperion. Um, I write in my notes the return of little of Lil Nipper uh, because he calls the baby that again, which is very cute. Uh, Lord grabs an axe, sees someone, and says, "Oh my god!" Which is not—I would say—it's not as um, impactful as Elena Gilbert saying "you," <laughs> but what could be? Um, So then back in the forever hallway, Cordy is recalling that in between the making out, they said some stuff 
back in the dressing room and they're like, oh, right. We were afraid and worried someone might find us, like a specific someone. Oh, And then it is suggested that they need to go back for more clues, to which I write in my notes in all caps, oh, okay, for <laughs> clues. <laughs> I can hear the air quotes. Um, Angel says, I'm marveling at the wrongness of that idea, which I think is the most Joss line of the episode. Mm-hmm, possibly, yeah. Yeah. Yes, what if there's no more talking in that scene? That killed me. That made me laugh so hard. Because he's also like, hey, I remember a little episode of television entitled I Only Have Eyes for You. Like, shabop, shabop. <laughs> this kind of shit doesn't end well. Like, uh, you know, like, and Cordelia's like, yeah, but it's not us. And Angel's like, it is us. Like, kissing. Like, it- kissing you. It's just not something that I and Cordy cuts him off and is like, I'm not that bad. And I write fools in huge letters fully. Honestly, she is the fool. Let this fool finish his sentence. Let someone finish their sentence, Cordy. You are the one who is wrong all episode. It's interesting to to think really quickly because like, as we've said before, like Cordy uh, no slouch in the dating, you know, realm when it came to, like, her time in Sunnydale. Like, she was fairly, like, capable of getting what she wanted. She had a different boy every other week. So, is she... Before Xander ruined yeah. everything. So, are we to... I guess what I want to ask is, like, are we to believe this is self-sabotage? Yeah, I think it's what it is. I, I don't think it's something Cordelia's ever had to deal with before, but I think that's what it is. Because this is very real. Like, this isn't... This would be, you know, the only person we've seen her have, like, a real emotional connection to romantically in a relationship is Xander Harris. And that's not right. That Cordelia Chase cannot have only, like, really loved and been in a relationship with while being in love with Xander Harris. Get ready for the one star, because now the the Xander hate has come to this podcast, too. (laughs) I'm so sorry. It's just, like, it's Cordelia Chase, you know? Like, I I love Xander. Um, Well, now you're going to get hate for loving Xander. But I... There's no actual way to win in in the Xander discussion Olympics. Oh, yeah, you're right. To me, Xander is the Julie Taylor of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where, like, I'm like, I... That's an insult to Julie Taylor. Uh, I didn't used to hate uh, Xander as much as everyone, but like, also Xander can kick rocks. <laughs> yeah, um, where I I begrudgingly am like, you're a part of this family, so I love you, but I don't like you at all. But geez, come on, Cordy. But yeah, she thinks that Angel's trying to say that it's horrible to kiss her. No, you fool. <laughs> Look, we're not advocates for letting men speak often, but. <laughs> Cordy, Angel has right. This time, you should have let the man speak. <laughs> uh, so we have more ballet. Then we go out into the audience, and this is the scene where the guys are on either side of Fred, and both Gunn and Wes are either going. I can't tell if it's for a knee touch or a handhold. It's a it's a hand touch. They're not perving it up, as far as I can tell. No, like is a knee touch inherently? I th- well. Gun could touch the mm. knee. 
Wesley could not test I don't, the knee. I don't feel like what Wesley has laid the groundwork to like a casual knee touch, but Gunn might have, yeah. But anyways, either of them are, both of them are kind of going to make a move and Fred just says, Angel <laughs> and Cordy, they're gone too long. And, and I, do you feel like Fred knows what's happening or, and, and is trying to get I out of it? I think she's kind of sensing yeah. it. Like Fred's not... I mean, she doesn't know something, but she's not, like, completely naive. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. She's aware. Yeah. And, again, Wesley, you haven't really made your intentions known. So, like, she's oblivious be- for honest reasons in, y- in your case. Yeah. So, Gunn doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to miss the end, but they have to. In the dressing room, I have written no. Uh, I would like to talk about the uh, dry run they do throughout the scene because it's not working. <laughs> okay. Let's take it from the middle. I want you to undress me. And you want me to have sex now with you here? Yes, but I'm scared. But you're afraid. And afraid. What if we he finds us? But I'm not afraid of anything. Only good inside, blah, blah, blah. Maybe it only works the one time, you know, when the energy... <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Um and th- she drops the cross on the ground almost immediately. So Whoops. there will be no getting out of this one. <laughs> uh, so then um Wes Gunn and Fred follow the trail of breadcrumbs that has been left for them, meaning an unconscious guard. Uh and they enter the forever hall and we hear the spooky gloved guys start to do their horrifying laugh and this is when i start to get <laughs> laugh and cry it's both the, the la- this is where the laugh cry starts to get to me because we only heard it a little bit before but now i'm hearing it a lot and it is like making my skin crawl and the couch just like deal with it <laughs> to, to them like dude this is what fucks you over you don't do the- you see this all the time you could step away but i guess again he has to focus so Karen. For it to even exist. Right, yeah. fair enough. So then um, back in the in the uh, Prima Ballerina dressing room, the lover's name is Stefan? Good old Steve. <laughs> I, truly yelling and screaming, um, then Angel slash Stefan says something about doing this, and then Cordy seems to have a big reaction so leading me to write in my notes is this dot 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 fingering um i mean in in my mm. notes it says well now angel is fingering cordy sorry stefan <laughs> is fingering her uh does this um and i will just say again joss's mm-hmm. script at yeah. least is respectful yeah what is canonically is- happening <laughs> We don't see exactly what he's referring to, but she breathes in sharply, eyes squeezing shut for an instant. But there is still fear in them as she breathlessly continues. So there. Dang. Okay. So they keep talking about this guy, this, he has an unnatural power. He's an obsessed owner. The prima ballerina is scared to run. And she... The Count is also Klaus Michelson. And she says... Help me not be afraid. And I write in all caps, smooch. <laughs> Doesn't she like help me also like help me to be not afraid? It's like it's not 
proper grammar. I think this is um I, yeah help me be not afraid <laughs> is this like I mean when summer talks she is like a very thick Russian accent yeah it's Russian so I wonder yeah, if yeah. I it's wonder Russia. if this is a maybe perhaps like not a the firmest grasp on the English language yes. at the time. But I yeah, it's or it's just meant to sound like stilted and poetic, who knows? Then in the um in the forever hall, the the gang hears something. They hear them fucking. Yeah, they hear moaning. Wes is like pain is someone in pain and i write in all caps unfortunately and please know that it brings me no joy to do this wes this is why you have no game (laughs) wes hears a woman enjoying herself and goes is butterfly meme is this pain (laughs) and fred is like or it's someone in fun (laughs) I can't like like don't give me don't throw softballs at me that I can just (laughs) fucking hit into the stands it's not fair anyway Cordy's topless we're seeing that belly button (laughs) there are stomach kisses I am just unwell Thank God someone tackles Angel off of her or I would have spontaneously combusted. <laughs> the masked glove giggly cryy boys are here and they uh, start fighting with Angel. Be- yes, the, the masked boys we should note, now that we like properly see them, are comedy and tragedy. The comedy and tragedy masks. They are even, uh, I believe in the script, noted as comedy and tragedy. Oh, okay. That makes a ton of sense. And I didn't even pick up on that because Morgan, no thoughts, head empty, only I'm ashamed I'm only of you at when this you're point. inside of me. <laughs> Come on. As, as a theater kid, I'm ashamed of myself. You should be. I'm so sorry. Out in the hall, uh, the um, our gang starts fighting um, our gloved spookies, our comedy and our tragedy, and uh, Gun is stabbed, which is not what you love to see. Stabbed in the back. The Rebecca Michelson special. Oh, I hated it. And then Wes gets a sword. Fred is smashing the shit out of one of these guys. And I write... She is fucking pummeling that dude. Yeah, that's P- Pylea Strong. Um, that is... That's how you get that. And then I write in my notes, laughter especially horrifying with headphones. So I believe this was the peak of how unsettled I was because it's loud um, and it's really just heavy in the mix, especially for headphones. Um, And yeah, things are not looking great. Then in the dressing room, one of the guys stabs Angel and he says, thank you, and pulls the the sword out of his chest and stabs the guy while simultaneously throwing a knife and killing a guy behind them. Okay, so that's very hot, correct? Yes. So Cordelia thinks that she's still under the influence of the spell when she said, you just looked really hot doing that. But no, it's just true. I think it's, I I don't know if it's necessarily that, because it also might just be like, looking that hot, there's no way we're not going to get pulled back into that scene if we don't run the fuck out of this room. Yeah, that is the natural reaction. So if you're already thinking that, you gotta go. You gotta go. And just bless them because obviously like 
you, this is maybe not the ideal way for um, Angel to kiss Cordelia's lower stomach um, that we all hoped and dreamed for. You know, for, for, you'd want it to kind of be as yourselves uh, rather than as these like ghosts. Be yourself. Be yourself. Be yourself. Be yourself. But yeah, you, ideally, you know, you'd prefer them to be like fully of sound mind and body. But they did like agree knowingly to do what they did. They get out before uh, we're passing too many thresholds. <laughs> then we cut outside. We're having more sword fighting. Yeah. Um, Wes clearly learns uh, from Giles embarrassing him in graduation day part one. <laughs> Reading a goddamn newspaper while fencing him. <laughs> like, Wesley now uh, can do things. Uh, so that's yes, good. And I'm proud. And there's who yells who's laughing now. That feels like a gun line. It is oh, Wes. That? He's like, well, you, but I still win. Uh, a king. Like, at least Wes still gets to do that. Like, good for him. He still gets to win a sword fight, you know? Not a totally lost knight. Our next scene's a Fred and Gun scene. What? She's tending to his wounds, Latoya. She is. She's, and she's quite scared and worried about him. Yeah, he's cracking. He's cracking jokes. Gun, come on, come on, what? Come on, gun. You can't do this to the poor girl. And this is where I write, like, again, the idea that he starts like doing kind of like Shakespearean dialogue, and I like the idea. He literally mm-hmm. says it's just a scratch, you know, Mercutio, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. I'm, I don't know if you've heard this, <laughs> but in that case, it wasn't just a scratch, and he did die. Yes. And I love the idea that, like, this episode is about, like, play acting and drama and about being a different person, whether it's through art or for through a special occasion or just through, like, a special night. And the idea that, like, Gunn uses that to be able to broach the gap between him and Fred in this moment, that he's just, like, you know, he says, like, you know, he's like, the light's dimming. And she's like, that's not funny. And then he realizes she really cares and he does it again and commits further and shows her that this is like the he means it in like the gentle, romantic, playful sentiment. And um, they kiss. What'd you say? They smooch. Bang, bang. Charles gonna shoot his shot. Bang, bang. Cracking skulls up and down the block. I don't know if you've heard, um, uh, the Immortal Bard Shakespeare once said, um, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players? I don't know if you've heard that. Wow. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> Put that in my back pocket. Yeah. Um, it, the, the Immortal Bard really came through for us. Didn't he? The Immortal Bard, Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh, yeah. I'm sure they felt the spirit of Kenneth Branagh himself in the room. But yeah, they freaking kiss. And it's really cute. And of course, we cannot feel joy for even one moment because Wes has to come in and see it and be sad. And I do feel bad for him. And he, Charlie Brown, walks away dragging the sword behind him. <laughs> Do, 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 do. do. <laughs> and it's 
so sad and he like falls to his knees and this is where we kind of do like the mislead of like is he now gonna be like taken over by dark magic as well and like yeah he's feeling the count's rage uh and of course we, we see the count still watching the ballet looking like a fucking evil count Just like like a little creep <laughs> if you're like what does an evil count look like i would point this guy. This guy with his little jeweled doublet. Like, oh. Jewel and the, the, the facial hair. Dang ass freak. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, we see more ballet. Then we're backstage um, with Cordy and Angel and Gunn and Fred. Wes, like, shows up and he explains everything that's going on by saying. He was a wizard. He was obsessed with the girl. When he found her with the other man, he went insane with jealous rage. Pulled her out of time, out of any reality beyond his theater, his company. He swore she would dance for him forever. So yeah, I like, and I think I essentially said this before, but I I do like the idea of like Wes's piece of this like fantasy theme and storytelling, the idea that like fantasy can cut both ways. Like sometimes it comes true, but sometimes it gives us the sense of like false security. And when that false security like disappears and we see things for the way they really are, everything can kind of come crashing down and that's what's happening for Wes. And that makes me very Mm -hmm. sad. Poor guy. But the difference between the Count and Wes is that the Count fights his inc- I'm sorry, yeah. Wesley fights his incel sensibilities, basically. Because he's been, you know, tackling a lot of things post-Billy. And, like, yeah. this is basically... He's on a crossroads here. If he, if he goes Count way, that is, like... Bad. Going into his baser instincts, the things that he didn't want from Yeah, everything that Billy, Billy magnified, yeah. Yeah, he does not want to do that, even though he's he's heartbroken. He's like, yeah, he was a wizard. He was obsessed with the girl. He went to a jealous rage, pulled out of time. He swore she would dance with him forever. I'm like, is Josh just writing himself and, and somehow <laughs> not also seeing that he's the villain? Yeah, but... um, yeah, interesting parallels there for sure. And, and I think it's the idea that it's like Wes closed his eyes to what was really going on with Fred because he was, like, living in a fantasy world that, like, they could be together and that she was, like, returning his feelings and all that stuff. So he, like, you know, willingly closed his eyes to some information. But that only goes to a point. Like, he does not delude himself into thinking she's his so hard that he, you know, like, does something awful. He just, like, kind of misses a step and has the rug pulled out from under him and that's painful and that like there's drama to that and there is hurt to that and that is a shitty feeling and i to that i wish him um a you know slice of cake or something and a stiff drink but um sometimes that's the way it happens Get back together with our third favorite army wife, Virginia. <laughs> because our first, obviously, is Tori DeVito. Our second is Ashanti. Yes. So third Give favorite her army a wife. call. So we explain, like, look, temporal shifts like this, they take a lot of power. All we have to do is, like, overload him. And, um, like, there's this moment where, like, Wes looks at Gunn kind of sharply and we wonder if we can trust him. But... 
we can. And it turns out that um, comedy and drama, the spooky gloved boys, uh, when you kill them, they split into two. So if they just keep killing them and keep splitting them into more and more and more, they can drain the Count's power and save everybody. Rita Repulsa should have done that with the putties. Mm -hmm. The Power Rangers would have been (laughs) fucked. Fuck yeah. Listen, there's there's dancing, there's fighting, and Angel finds his way backstage to have a little scene with uh, one Summer Glau who says, you're new. <laughs> Please do the accent for all of this. It's the second it. bad Russian accent I've done today. Um, but yeah, Angel explains, he's like, look, I... I know, like, I get what's going on. Like, I've seen this before. And she says, you know, he made me. He owns me. I dance for him. Oh, no, girl. Dance for yourself. Again, this is where I wrote my notes. It's such a Whedon allegory. It hurts? Question that is, mark? It, it is really. It's it's so bizarre, yes, right? It is odd. And it, it's interesting because I think for better or for worse, I think we found that a lot of these people who are getting called out canceled what have you have told us who they are in their work pretty clearly like i I think these these people tend to like make art about the thing that um they're doing that is harmful and this is definitely a piece like that which I like that we had a fun time watching this episode and that we're enjoying it. And I don't want to take anything away from our fun time, good coverage of this. But like, yeah, there's something dark there and it is icky. And maybe at some point we can talk about this Especially more. because yeah. Summer, Gl- Summer Glau was plopped into a Whedon show like right after this. Yeah, it's too. interesting to like see him kind of like pick her and then keep her and that like that obviously has a connotation to it too that I don't love and yeah, this is hard. Like it's a tough thing to unpack and there's like a legacy that I think I mean I'm sure you've been dealing with since we found stuff out. I've been dealing with since we found stuff out like years ago and more recently like all of it is tough and um yeah I, I don't i don't know what to say about it other than like it's really complicated and and really unfortunate and um mm-hmm. fuck it <laughs> yeah fuck it i already said fuck Joss Whedon. yeah no. hell yeah yeah uh so angel's like is that enough like what about stefan and she says you know like i waited too long i hesitated now all i do is dance <laughs> So she explains like that it's she's not just doing the same ballet over and over again. She's giving the exact same performance. She makes the same mistake every time. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's that this asshole never even because, notices. Yes, because he's not he doesn't, he doesn't even know anything about <laughs> ballet. He doesn't even know shit about ballet. I hate him. I mean, he could also just be like a terrible like uh, an allegory for like a terrible network exec. Yeah. So she she ends kind of her her explanation with I don't dance I echo and you know like that's not a life that's a yeah I I think I think about the scene a lot uh, powerful wine I don't yeah, dance I echo it's really sad and and there's there's definitely something yeah there there it, it's really sad and it's very interesting so things start to fade seems like you know chopping all these dudes into two is working uh, Angel urges uh, Summer Glau to do a new dance. 
she does something different. Like, I wish she did. She unfortunately does not do Julia Stiles um, audition uh, dance from the end of <laughs> Save the Last Dance. I wish she did, but all right. She does um, real ballet that looks good instead. I've listened to hip hop before. <laughs> the... Um, I, the count is like, what? This isn't the dance I'm used to. This whole thing is hilarious because people start disappearing <laughs> off the stage. Angel hops up to the balcony <laughs> to save the day. Talk about that. So I continue to, I continue to talk about how hilarious it, it is. is. So he fucking zoops up there and he, he's like, where's your... People and see this. People what see on this. Earth? Look, I'm sure L.A. was buzzing after this about the ballet and about how fucking weird the ballet. Did you see that fucking ballet where everybody disappeared and that guy ran up on stage and leapt into the balcony, punched this dude right in the jewel, and he, like, lit up? <laughs> yeah, because he realizes uh, the Count's power center is his ugly-ass necklace. That is clearly his power center because he looks like a fucking... DC magician Truly, villain. Yes, like he—he he looks like fucking Doctor Strange. Actually, like he does DC. have Doctor Strange vibes. You're right. Yeah, it's so silly. She finishes and she disappears too. To which, again, why I watch the <laughs> subtitles? The response to this is scattered applause <laughs> because it's insane. What? <laughs> Everyone disappeared. <laughs> Yeah, that was part of it. You don't know Giselle or the end. They all fade to nothing. <laughs> it is so funny. And he's like, I, but I love her and she's mine. And Angel goes, start a website. 2002, like, baby. Okay, weird. <laughs> was that like really the strongest line you could use to end the scene? No, Joss? yeah. Very, very Twilight. Edward Cullen saying, you can Google it. <laughs> Um, just certain things don't age well. <laughs> Our next scene's in, uh, in Wes's office. And, uh, like, like, they're like, are you in pain? And Gunn's like, what pain? I... Because he's, uh, looking at his girl. I'm dying. I'm... They're aggressively romantic. I've written no other notes for that scene, so who knows if anything happens in it. Not me. <laughs> um... Out in the lobby, Cordy is looking at her dress and she's like, do you think it's still returnable? Poor thing. No, no baby. She's like, okay, we're going to have to get a lot more cases. She says something about how we don't have to talk about what we saw, what we did, what was or wasn't perky. And again, Angel is trying to use his words. He is trying. Cordy, you and I, we've been working together for a long time. <laughs> What I mean is, you've become a truly extraordinary woman. <laughs> I know we haven't always gotten along, but I think that we, you know, we... Grew? Yes. But unfortunately, that was not a helpful lover's sentence finishing. She saw the Grusalug. He's <laughs> back, baby. My hunk has arrived. Yeah, Morgan, I want to know, how do you feel about the Grusalug? Gru, if you will. I love him. 
obviously. <laughs> I love him so much. Like the that beautiful golden retriever. He is so hunky and so hot and so respectful. And if that is not the Holy Trinity, um, I don't know what is. They hug, they kiss. Lauren's like, yeah, he just showed up. Like, I guess all this stuff's going on in Pylea. And Angel's like, cool, good for her. I'm going to go check on Connor. And Lauren's like, actually, he's fine. Oh. And Angel's just like, nope, going oh. to check. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. And poor Fred just looks over at them and is like, wow, I thought for sure she was meant to be with Angel. And we end on Wes. And yeah, so um, another deleted aspect of the of the show is uh, during the ballet, Wesley is like imagining um, himself on stage with Fred because Amy Acker also has dance experience. So there is there actually is a deleted scene, which is Amy dancing oh, proficiently because wow. she has ballet experience and um, <laughs> Alexis dancing like a like a dang ass fool. <laughs> Oh my god, I love a little dream ballet. Oh, I wish they'd done a full dream ballet. Come on. Yeah, and so when she's like, you know, I, I guess you can never predict those things, you know? Wesley looks at her, and then apparently at the end, it cuts to him again remembering Fred dancing on that stage, that beautiful thing, mm-hmm. and then it cuts back to him. He's like, no, I guess you never can. And that's what it ends. I feel like it's actually for the best they cut, like, all that just for... I made the, like, the, the comment about, like, the show is like, no, we're not going to do, like, this whole incel, how dare she not love me thing. I think that might veer into th- that part where or here you're, like, thinking, how is he going to, re- like, react? It, it is maybe making, like, a bit too much of a meal out of, like, his expectations versus his reality when, I mean, honestly, he's not entitled to anything. Like, that's the thing is that it, it showing us more of what he wished and, like, leads us to feel more entitled to that outcome and so I'm, I'm glad that they didn't but I also think it just like also leans fully on Alexis Denisov's performance which I think is really good like he like is just genuinely gutted about this like he really likes Fred and it's not gonna happen and you know she's with someone he also really cares about like it's like what is he gonna do not be happy for gun and like you know be an enemy of their love i can't remember because i don't know what happens next but i certainly hope not (laughs) and that doesn't sound very wesley to me you know he's just gonna have to swallow it and deal with it but he's owed at least one night of being really fucking sad if not a couple months um of listening to really sad music in his car like buddy yeah and i'm sorry i think this episode is very good to be like yeah like wes is upset but like he's not you know he he didn't do what he had to do basically so he's not entitled entitled to her whereas i feel like uh this is why i like you know would always stay out of fandoms because you know Mm. they have their own issues i feel like fandom felt like very entitled to it being Wes and Fred and the fact that it was Gunn and Fred, obviously like she's, she is Fred Gunn is into her and she is into Gunn. Like it, it is clear. This episode makes this, this very clear. Yes. Um, and just be like, but what about Wesley? It's like, she's not interested in Wesley and Wesley never made it clear that he's interested in her, at least not in a healthy way. Like there's Billy, but like, that's just, 
Yeah. Billy just suggests that, like, he's a man who finds her attractive. That doesn't really mean that he had, like, feelings for her, you know? Yeah. I mean, I fully agree. And we've, I think, sketched this out as we've talked about this this whole season. And I do think this lands really well, like, like especially like, on this episode, like, about fantasy. Is that, like, for now, Fred and Gunn, like, that's just a fantasy. Fred and... Wes is just a fantasy like it's it's not based in anything real even if these two characters do have like affection for each other and I do think like Fred cares about Wes and thinks highly of him like it's certainly not like that kind of thing where she's like yeah guns just better like it's not about that like sometimes people click sometimes they don't there's timing to things there's all sorts of things involved in this stuff and blaming it on other stuff feels immature and mm. like entitled and gross to me so i i i think yeah. it's a valid story to tell it's just it's it's you know as an adult you know as, as a critic and someone who you know consumes media differently just going back like like thinking about what I saw in fandom in general, not just in, like on these shows, but like in everything. It's just like thinking about like the anti-gun Fred stuff. It's like a lot of it is just like racist bullshit. Like how dare this black man think he can be entitled to this white woman? It's like, well, this white woman likes this black man. That's why. Yeah, that's kind of uh, the most important piece of it is uh, her choice and his choice happening to overlap. So they are sh- sharing a relationship like that's how it fucking works yeah i would encourage people to examine uh what they're the way they're telling on themselves online uh with the way that they criticize certain characters and certain ships and certain choices and it's just that's something that's pushed me out of fandom like as well like um like racism there's a lot of like Unfortunately, there's a lot of internalized misogyny in fandom as well, which sucks. But, like, I'm sorry that that happened because that's fucked. And I don't like it. And I'll punch them. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Fuck watch? Hell yes. You're gonna fuck that uh, six breasted demon? <laughs> mm, you know what? I think I'm gonna go with something or someone a little perkier. <laughs> Cordelia, honey, tonight's your lucky night. <laughs> because I pick you, baby. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's Cordelia. I love her. She looks gorgeous. She's awesome, and I sh- I would I pick her. I respectfully choose her. You and you've not picked Cordelia before. I have not. As we all know, in uh, Heartthrob the premiere, I I picked uh, business casual Cordelia, and I was like, I I mocked all of you being like, what about waiting in the wings? Um, but I am going to choose possessed angel and possessed Cordy because they are Stefan and the prima ballerina, so it is actually not them. So um, suck it. <laughs> This feels like cheating to me, but I but I don't make the rules, so <laughs> I make the rules, baby. <laughs> I pick Ghost Dennis and his loofah. 
Hell yes, Kristen. Also, I just want to say that there is absolutely no way that not shipping Gunn and Fred is anything but racism because <laughs> they are so clearly so hot. And fuck Wesley. And I love you, Wesley. But like, sorry, but that's all. That's all I have to say. I pick the, the ghost and the loofah and you're racist if you don't think that Gunn and Fred belong together. Thank you. Good <laughs> Um, yeah, wow. A great fuck watch. But now that we've uh, done a little bit of a fuck watch, might it be time for another segment? Angel is a vampire. Does he even like TV? I think he'll like the WB. (laughs) They got that hot teen drama to ease the pain and trauma. And here's the So, you know, we have Team Angel, they're stepping out. Mm. And I'm like, should I think about shows in WWE where they go to the, the ballet or the opera? No. I should think about an episode where they, they're also stepping out, but to see something a little more modern. I know Gunn couldn't see Matahari, mm-hmm. but you know what? The Dawson's Creek crew, they saw no doubt in season six, episode eight, Spiderwebs. Yes, they named it after the No Doubt song, Spiderwebs. Spiderweb Sorry, I'm not home right now. I'm watching Dawson's Creek. <laughs> so leave a message and you'll call me back. Sorry, I'm not home right now. I'm watching on Dawson's Creek. Sorry, I'm Call you back. So good. I I would screen my phone calls if Dawson Leary tried to call me. I would screen my phone calls. That psychopath. Fuck yeah. What a And don't worry, it's okay to call Dawson Leary a psychopath because he did try to kill Pacey with a boat that one time. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, they go to see No Doubt. This is a post-Rock Steady uh, situation. Also 2002, like this episode we just uh, watched. And really, uh, the most important part... Because, you know, we're talking about people being alive when someone's inside of them. Mm-hmm. To which I wrote, what you guys were like, well, hopefully it's that that's a factor. I'm like, well, Jensen Ackles CJ is only alive when Busy Phillips Audrey is inside of him. Okay. Uh, and that's a very important part of the episode because CJ, who... I might hate the most of any character to ever be on Dawson's Creek. Wow. He's got, like, real nice guy vibes. Um, he spends the whole season rejecting um, Jen Lindley, played by Michelle Williams, only to go around and fuck Audrey as soon as she breaks up with Pacey and, cause, because she, ha- she's, she has a, she's a, a mess. Like, she has her drinking problem and, like, mm-hmm. she's on the downswing and he fucks her. Oh. So now he's all like, we could be a thing. It's like, dude, she's not okay. Uh, so he's, he's spending a lot of that whole episode trying to like get her to talk to him. It's like, dude, she's about to go to rehab. Like, this is not good. But yeah, Angel should watch to see, hey, so the ballet, it didn't go the way you planned. You didn't ask for this. Nobody ever does. Mm-hmm. But it could 
be worse because it could be this. It could be Dawson not interacting with any of his friends because the tickets that he has with his actress girlfriend played by, I believe it's Bianca Kylick, who of course is Sheriff Milf on Legacies. Oh, yeah. Uh, they had the wrong tickets for the the wrong date, uh, so they are just stuck outside the venue while everything else is going on. No doubt singing magic is in the makeup. Like, things could be worse. They absolutely could be. And especially in the in the Buffy and Angel verse, things could be worse. No one died tonight. Let's just chalk it up to a win. I think like the the worst thing that happens and is actually the best because again, uh CJ is a terrible character. Uh, is that Pacey punches CJ as he should? Yeah, always happy to hear you talk Greek, baby. Oh, what a night indeed! Hit oh, what a night! <laughs> Angel is a vampire. Does he even like TV? I think he'll like the WB. <laughs> they got that hot teen drama to ease the pain and trauma. What an app. <laughs> oh, what an app. <laughs> do, do, do. Late April in 2021. <laughs> Vitamin C. What have you done? <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> Never stop singing this. Um, Wrap it up, please. <laughs> uh, so, uh, should you be interested, you can follow us on social media at Angel on Top Cast on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, from there, you can go to angelontop.com where you could find our Patreon. Uh, we're doing fun stuff over there, uh, including uh, releasing some jingles. Uh, we recently dropped our J-jingles. Cynthia jingle, which I fucking love. And I wrote a lot of copy about Cynthia and how much I love uh, the idea of having a teen at the Hyperion. Um, we will be releasing the gun jingle. You'll never there. regret saying that. Never. <laughs> Uh, never, ever, ever. Uh, and um, we will be doing uh, we'll be doing Girls on Film there, which uh, we should already have Down with Love and Legally Blonde episodes out. So lots of fun stuff that you can check out there. And uh, Latoya, where can the people find you? Nowhere. <laughs> Latoya is missing. At Lefergs, but also don't tweet at me because no one ever gets my bits. Yeah, please. Have a solid uh, knowledge of comedy before you, uh, before you reply to anything Latoya tweets. Um, and uh, you can find me anywhere at Lorgan Mudich uh, on most platforms. So, and you can listen to us both on the Empire Diaries, which is our Vampire Diaries podcast, if you so choose. Also, should it if you have been interested in maybe getting into either the Vampire Diaries or the Empire Diaries, uh, towards the end of this month in late May, um, we will be doing a live table read of the Vampire Diaries pilot. Um, it should be incredibly silly. Uh, and you might know uh, uh, the uh, two people we cast to play Stefan and Damon just two chicks named Kristen and Jenny? I don't know. Like, they might be good, I think. Do you think it'll be good, Latoya? No. 
<laughs> but we'll do our best. So um, I hear they have a black Caroline Forbes. What's up with that? <laughs> I heard it's a groundbreaking decision. <laughs> I heard they're Jeremy and Elena are dating. <laughs> And with that, uh, we will hang out with you next time. LA's buzzing about the ballet. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.